Hello and welcome to Paranormal Hotline. My name is Michael and I'm joined by Kaylee. Hello. And this week we're going to take a look at the ghosts of Eastern Airlines Flight 401. So, have you heard about this before? No, never. I know nothing about this. Sweet. You're <laughs> going to love it. But remember guys, if there's any topics you want us to cover, you can always message us on Twitter at ParanormalHL or email us at ParanormalHotlinePodcast at gmail.com. Also, we are going to start doing investigations soon as our country opens up and like returns to normal. And we'll be putting up the, like whatever pictures and stuff we get from those on the Discord. So if you aren't a member or you just want to help support the podcast, you can always do so at Paranormal Hotline on Patreon.com. So I kind of went down this rabbit hole recently of like plane crashes and stuff like that. And I wanted to know if there was anything paranormal that's been involved in plane crashes. And Jesus, there was a lot. I mean, like I, the only thing I can think of is like gremlins on a plane. I knew uh, that's exactly what I thought right. you were going to go to. I feel to. like everyone goes to that immediately. With William Shatner because of Twilight Zone. Yeah, uh, terror exactly. Terror 20,000 feet. But like all this stuff is kind of fascinating to me in one way because as a species, we've only had flight for about 100 years. And even then, it didn't take long for weird things to be reported. Because, like, the whole gremlins on the wing thing is from, like, fighter pilots and stuff from World War Two. Like, when aviation became a part of warfare and it was like, every time something goes wrong with the plane, oh, it was a gremlin. But you have to remember that those planes were basically slapped together compared to what we have now. So problems yeah. would pop up left, right and center. There was actually yeah. a movie came out recently about gremlins attacking a World War Two plane. Oh yeah, I remember this actually. I watched it. It was Shadows in the Clouds. It's basically a radio drama that has parts of a movie in it. Oh, that's pretty cool. It's actually it really good? good. A lot of bisexual lighting. Oh. <laughs> it's great. But like when you think of gremlins on the plane, you kind of think of that bumbling creature from the Twilight Zone that's walking along the middle of a wing that's meant to be in mid-flight. Yeah. Like have you so seen funny. what the creature looks like? Yeah, I've seen the episode. <laughs> it's it's disgusting. <laughs> But uh, the story I want to cover today is a little more substantial than like Gizmo Tune on a fuel line. It's a lot harder to explain and it even got a piece of the play in its own place in the Warrens Museum. Oh. So I'm going to have to go into the actual events of the plane first before we get to any of the spooky things. But in December of 1972, Eastern Airlines Flight 401 from New York to Miami crashed, killing 101 people. Now, the reason for the crash was tragically simple. It was a light bulb. What? How? So, Flight 401 was approaching Miami to land, and when they started to lower the landing gear... Uh, to explain it better, every landing gear on a plane has its own light on the dashboard in front of the pilot. And when that light turns green, it means not only is the landing gear down, it's locked. So when they actually hit the ground, it doesn't fly back up into the plane. If it doesn't light up, then there's an issue with the landing gear. Now, there were four people in the cockpit for the flight. Captain Bob Loft, First Officer Albert Stockstill, Flight Engineer Don Repo and a technical officer called Angelo, who wasn't actually part of the staff and technically wasn't working. He's doing this thing they call it a dead flight, where basically he was just there because he was being transported to somewhere else that he worked for for the airline. Oh, right. Okay. Makes sense. Like, yeah. Like they just like, they, it's something where like they don't pay. They're just told get in the plane. We'll drop you there. Now, when they lowered the landing gear, one of the lights didn't turn on, so they started to get a little nervous, and they did the classic on and off again thing, where they just raised and lowered the landing gear a few times to see if it fixed it. Not wanting to land with a wheel still up, they contacted the air traffic control tower, and they were given permission to enter a holding pattern over the Everglades, basically flying a big circle at 2,000 feet until you know what's going on and you're ready to land. Okay. 
That sounds terrifying. That's not much of a solution, really, is it? That's pretty much any. That's what they do whenever anything goes wrong on a plane. It's like fly in a circle and figure it out. Damn, that's but, terrifying. Um, you know what the Everglades are, yeah? No. The place in like Florida with the crocodiles, the swamps, the giant oh, boats yeah, with the fans, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 like yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of area. Yeah, swampland. Yeah, kind of. But well, technically, it's like a forest and stuff, but it is a swamp. Once they reach 2,000 feet, the captain turns and says to the co-pilot, throw on the autopilot, and once that's done, everyone starts trying to figure out what's going on. So, in an effort to see if maybe a wire is loose, they've ripped the panel off of the board in front of them, the lighting panel. Yeah, doesn't sound like much of a solution. And one of them takes the bulb out to see if it's broken, but they aren't able to put it back in, so he's going to just keep trying to fix that. (laughs) Yeah. And the captain sent the flight engineer down a hatch in the cockpit to see if the landing gear was down. Now, the way the hatch worked is you'd go into basically underneath the cockpit and then a section underneath that where you could see straight to the wheels and like through the hole into the landing gear. If the landing gear is fully down and proper, there will be two lights on some rods. And if they're lit up, it means everything's good to go, even if the light in the cockpit doesn't work. Okay. But it's pitch black because they're flying at night. This is like 11.32 p.m. So he can't see the lights at all. It's pitch black so he can't see the lights. Yep. Basically like... (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. I know. It's just because the lights weren't very bright. They were very small. But that should have been better to see them at night. It should have. Yeah. (laughs) It was something blocking the way. I don't know. I think it's also the fact like that they were at... It's just the way it worked out. The lights weren't working properly basically. They okay. were bright, but not bright enough to make out properly. Okay, okay. He even yeah. said it like in the flight recorder, you can hear him. He's like, I even threw some light down on it and I can't see if they're lit up or not. Oh, that's crazy. It, like that's going on and like he can't see the rods. So Angelo, who again isn't even meant to be working, offers to go down and help him. So he climbs down the hatch as well. So there's two people in the cockpit and two people down by the landing gear of a plane that's in flight. At this point, a small sound goes off in the cockpit, but nobody reacted because two can't hear it and the other two are too busy trying to fix the part of the dashboard they've ripped off. (laughs) Yeah. The sound was to let them know that they've dropped by 250 feet. So right now they're actually at 1750 and nobody knows. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, this is giving me anxiety. (laughs) A few minutes later, they're contacted by air traffic control and... The air traffic controller says, Eastern 401, how are things going out there? And they responded with, we'd like to turn around and come back in. Because like they're pretty confident now the wheel is down and they can land. Now, I really personally feel like the air traffic controller should have been a lot clearer here. Because by the time he messaged them, what he said was, how are things going out there? When what he meant was, Jesus Christ, why are you at 9,000 feet now instead of 2,000? Like, they've dropped very quickly. I think it took two minutes, or sorry, 50 seconds for them to go from 2,000 feet down to 900. You think they would have felt the pressure, you know? They didn't feel anything. Now, they're currently over the Everglades at night, so there's no lights or anything to be seen out the window or by the landing gear to let them know how close to the ground you are. And the autopilot is on, so the the altitude should be steady. So they weren't looking at the altimeter because they're trying to fix a light bulb. Yeah. They were literally ignoring all the stuff in the plane to fix a little light bulb just to make sure it would turn on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as the pilot grabs the stick and starts to turn towards the plane, the aircraft are like, do you know the flight recorder, the black box? Yeah. It records this conversation. 
Stockstill says, we did something to the altitude. Laugh replies, what? Stockstill says, we're still at 2,000 feet, right? Laugh says, hey, what's going on here? The plane hits the ground seven seconds later. Now, the crash itself was bad, like, obviously, but not only did it hit the ground, but one of the engines was still running, so it kind of dragged half the plane along as well. So it literally, like, this, the crash was spread out in a massive, massive area. Now, what it turned out what had happened, because they did a full investigation to find out why this plane dropped 2,000 feet in, like, two and a half minutes. And what happened was, when the captain told the first officer to put on the autopilot, he turned around and behind him a little bit to do it, like, to face him and say it. And the type of autopilot that was activated was one that whatever input you're giving it when it's turned on, it keeps. And when he was turning around to the side while in the seat, he had just a tiny, tiny bit moved the stick. And that's what registered in the autopilot. And it was a very slow descent. Like, it was insanely shallow. They didn't even feel it. Yeah, that's that's insane, man. They, basically, they'd all gotten so distracted by the landing gear, they didn't notice they were flying straight into the ground. So it's a tragic story, and a lot of people died, including both pilots. I think 101 out of 175 people died. People survived it? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Angelo survived it. Angelo was... The guy who wasn't working, he was down in oh, the right. landing he was in gear the landing with the gear stuff. Yeah, okay. But the other Damn. guy with him died. Bob Loft, the uh, like pilot, yeah, died immediately, and the other pilot died like right as they were trying to get him to the hospital. Jeez. But they're trying to see like what's going on, like why did this happen, and they figure it out. But while they're collecting part, like bits and pieces, they notice that like not everything in the plane is destroyed. There's some salvageable things. Please don't tell me they salvaged the plane <laughs> to build another one. No, they didn't. They didn't rebuild the plane. But okay, this okay. is where the spooky stuff starts because they were like, okay, the kitchen oven doors are working, some seats, stuff like that, like all small parts. So decided we'll reuse them and we'll put them on other planes. So the oven door, the seats, luggage doors, and a few no. others mostly went on to Eastern Airline Flight's aircraft 318. This is reminding me of Amityville when they reused the beds that those kids had been shot in. I feel like this is a lot more understandable than those beds. No, though. it's definitely not. People died in those seats, you know? I, I don't, well, to be fair, if the seat's in good nick, I doubt it no. was one of the ones who died. <laughs> no, it's not okay. I mean, like, no, it's still not okay. The chances of someone dying in that seat is very high. What do you mean? Like, uh, well, how many people died? But you also something? have to remember, how many, how many seats have been in two plane crashes? The odds are on your favor, really. I still don't like it. I still don't like it. But as I said, most of these pieces went on to aircraft 318. And okay. then the sighting started. And some of these go from spooky to kind of terrifying with most of them actually taking place on aircraft 318. So it started off small, like people seeing quick glimpses of someone in uniform reflected in a window. But one flight attendant was prepping meals in, do you know the galley? Like the small little yeah, yeah, preparation the area. area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was prepping a meal and she closed the oven door and seen a uniformed man behind her reflected in the glass. <laughs> so she turned around like Jesus, but there was no, no one there. He was just waiting she, for his sandwich. She turned around to the oven again and she could see him and she got a good look at his face, but he just vanished. No, 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 no. That would freak me out. So she, des okay. she described him to other people and they were like, that sounds exactly like a pilot named Bob Loft who like died in a crash. And they were like, that's really weird. But the company was like, okay, we're sending you to a psychologist, which is kind of <laughs> fair. Yeah. Did she know? I wonder if she knew that the uh, she didn't. had been used. Okay. Like, no, no, nobody knew that these were pieces off, <laughs> off that's like so that awful. plane. That's so awful. 
Yeah. And then there was a pilot who was flying from Newark, New Jersey to Miami on 318 and he was asked to check on a passenger who was in uniform flying back to Miami. Do you know like Angelo was? Like, yeah. they thought he was just a passenger who was doing one of these dead flights or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. And as he walked into like the first area and he seen him, he literally yelled out, my God, it's Bob Loft and the man just vanished. Did he, did he know Bob Loft? Uh, well, the pilots would know each other like kind of like do you ever see bus drivers like waving at each other as they drive past that kind of thing <laughs> yeah I can't picture the pilots waving at each other <laughs> yeah. from across the sky <laughs> if you're close enough to wave at the other pilot there's something wrong <laughs> yeah something seriously wrong but um, if anything I suppose happened, like if somebody died as well you'd kind of know you'd be like oh that pilot crashed and then you'd see pictures of him you know yeah especially like when it was it was the first ever like it was the first ever crash of a twin aisle plane in America so do you know like they'd have yeah. two seats three seats two seats yeah this I've never the actually first been in one of those flights really no never this was like the first time one of these had ever crashed in America and for a while it was like the the biggest air disaster in America and it's so such a simple little mistake. Oh, so I, when I was looking up flight disasters, so many of them are just small little things that nobody notices. And then it's just that one small thing and another small thing. Like if the air traffic controller said, hey, you're dipping down, they would yeah. have known and pulled up. But because yeah. he was like, hey, is everything all right over there? They were just like, yeah, yeah we're coming back now. Why didn't he specify? That's so dumb. It was oh. literally just one of those things where like if he had just been a little bit more urgent with how he said it, they would have noticed. Yeah. You feel like there would be, like, a log that you'd have to say, you know? If somebody was dipping, you'd have to call them and be like, you've dipped this much, can you please explain? You know, or something like that. Well, it, as you said, log there. So anytime anything happens on a flight, it goes down in the log book. Like, a record of everything that happens on the plane. So yeah, let's say the like, black box as well, isn't there? Yeah, the black box records everything, but a log book is like a handwritten log. Yeah, yeah. So let's say like a p the passenger in 24W asked for peanuts, that wouldn't go down. But if he yelled at a <laughs> flight attendant and was like, bitch, give me the peanuts, that would go in the book. All right, all right. So logbooks uh, started to record these instances of the crew seeing Bob Loft appearing and vanishing on all these flights. No way. Seriously. So they were writing it down in this logbook. That's how serious it was. Yeah. One flight engineer even told about how he was going to get to his seat, but he saw a man already in it. The man told him, don't worry about the pre-flight check. I've already done it. Everything's good. And then he vanished in front of him. And when he like <sighs> described the man, it was apparently the flight engineer Don Repo who died on flight 401. Damn. Now, Don Repo's own son actually has a story of what he believes to be a visit from his dad. So, for his honeymoon, his wife and him secretly booked a hotel in Miami without telling anyone. And when he opened the closet door, he heard something fall, and like, this was an empty closet. And when he picked it up, it was a pair of Eastern Airline wings. So it's like a small badge uh, with the Eastern Airlines logo with two wings coming off it that would have been worn by the flight crew. Oh, that's so weird. He said he believed it to be a sign from his dad, which is kind of sweet. You know the way you said you, a guy walked in and he saw him sitting in the seat and then he vanished, vanished. right in front of him? How does that happen? Like, I, I always imagine it like a really vanish. fast version of the picture from Back to the Future. Do you know the picture? Like, <laughs> yeah. Just yeah, a slow yeah. fade. Is it like that or is it just an instant? You, they're gone. I just like Foom. I feel like it must be an instant, like f not even like I don't mean a flash, but like like when someone like uh, in Harry Potter <laughs> just like what's where it they're sucked into a ball when they apparate. <laughs> <laughs> no, in the original one, did they not just like disappear when they did it? And no, Didn't Fred and, and George it, just, like, appear? 
yeah in the books yeah in the movie they were like sucked into a black hole made of themselves but oh, I think yeah, of it better right. as like if you had a picture you had a video of someone and then for suddenly in the next frame it's just the same background without them there it's just yeah. like a sudden like blip and they're gone yeah but like I said some of the sightings were terrifying and now there was a flight attendant that opened the lug overhead luggage and saw Bob Loft's head staring back at her. <gasps> no, that's no. the one that would be terrifying to me. No, that is so scary. <laughs> and uh, there was another one. Then uh, there was an entire cockpit crew who walked in to like the cockpit crew. Now would be like the pilot, co-pilot, and flight engineer. They walked into the cockpit to see, Bo- uh, sorry, Don Repo already sitting there. And he said to them, he was like, just to let you know, there's an electrical fault in like this, this and this. And they were like, OK, we'll get that checked out. And then he vanished. And then they <sighs> did get it checked out. And it turned out he was absolutely right. And they had to get no. it replaced and repaired. That's terrifying, man. What? I kind of find it weird that all the stories about Don are him being like cool and helpful and nice. And all the ones about La Pab Laughter, just him finding ways to scare the shit out of people. <laughs> Who's having more fun in the afterlife, honestly? I don't know, because Don seems to be like a sound guy and Bob Loft just seems to be having the time of his afterlife just scaring the shit out of people. <laughs> the head thing really freaks me out. I don't know what it is, but I have this terrifying fear of seeing like a disembodied head of a ghost. More than seeing a full body apparition, I'm scared of seeing a disembodied head. Yeah, the that's because if the head's distracting you, what's the body out, doing? I just feel like it would take me longer to realize what it is, you know, like I just have to have to look at it's it. It's just for not a, a shape bit. you're accustomed to seeing a yeah. person in. It just freaks me out. But uh, the company did have a problem with all these sightings. Mainly they were worried about becoming known as the haunted airline. So they started sending any flight crew to a company psychologist when they said like, oh, we've seen a ghost or whatever. And when the stories <laughs> kept popping up, they eventually decided to put a blanket ban on them, saying that if people kept saying they saw ghosts, they'd get fired. What? Now, this got a little bit awkward when the vice president of the company had a sighting of Bob Loft. <laughs> Class. He was on a flight and he just said, like, Bob Loft walked down the aisle of the plane, passed him, smiled at him, and then just, like, when he turned back to make sure it was him, he was gone. That's so weird, though. But they kept pressure on people to stop spreading rumors, of course, and they even went so far as to let know it's allegedly, although many pilots have said it happened to them, but the company yeah. denied it until the day the company went under. They started confiscating the logbooks that had any mentions of sightings or anything weird going on. They did fully deny it, but like multiple people came forward and said this was a practice they did. But eventually and very quietly, Eastern Airlines started removing all the salvage parts from the aircrafts they were in. No way. Wow. And then the sighting stopped. And was this in multiple aircrafts? Well, most of them were on... uh, aircraft 318 like yeah. Joe within number of planes most of the yeah, parts went to that. this one plane but some pieces did go to other planes and those planes did have sightings as well just not as many you wonder how that works like if the same ghosts or different ghosts are they different, attached to different pieces you know <laughs> so also Bob, why were none Bob, of the passengers seen I think it's just because like when it comes to pilots they have like thousands upon tower, thousands of hours of flight out time in whatever type of plane but yeah. in the actual specific plane that went down like Bob Loft had 290 hours on this specific plane like okay. they, they would have spent more time on this plane than anyone else yeah 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 makes sense 
but um, the plane parts were either destroyed or recycled with probably none of it around today that's not buried somewhere in the Everglades except for one part that I know of anyway that someone found in the Everglades and actually gave to the warrant and they put it in their museum I sent you a picture there of the display they made what is it just a, oh I see it yeah uh, that's a piece of the floor but they were just like, yeah, we, we want to keep this because of how much spooky stuff is attached to it. There might be a spirit attached to it. I wonder if there is. Yeah, but like, what's the spooky thing going to do with a piece of floor, at least? like, I love the whole <laughs> peekaboo aspect of the luggage bag. Like, like, open it and closing it, and each time he'll do no. a different face. <laughs> I don't like that. It really freaks me out. I'm really but, um, glad we did this episode after I went on a flight this I know, weekend. I was thinking that. Uh, I was thinking about messaging you about it when you were going to the airport, <laughs> and I was just like, no. I don't mind seeing a ghost on the plane. I'm just scared of plane crashes. I would have liked to read that book, though. I'm going to look that up. Well, the, go- the book is actually called Ghosts of Flight 401, and it's written by John Fuller. Now, Fuller interviewed as many people as he could who had seen the sightings. Yeah. And he, what he actually said was that he found the most believable aspect of it to be the fact that there was not just so many of them and that they were consistent with each other, but that there were often little small things like a quick glimpse or a reflection or like seeing Bob. But when you look back, he's gone. Nobody had this massive story. Now, the pilots and the cockpit crews did, but they yeah. also had multiple witnesses. Yeah, yeah. Damn, that's so that's so scary, man. That's so but cool, though. The airline was not happy about this book, and it actually fully discredited all his work as mostly fiction and like you shouldn't believe any of this. But at the same time, they also went out of their way to remove those parts from the planes, so they weren't yeah. as skeptical as the act as yeah, acted. Yeah. <laughs> but if you want to watch a movie about all this, because there's actually a movie based on the book that came out in 1978 that's all on YouTube and it has all the different like sightings well not all of them but some of them including like there's some really small details that were added to the movie that I liked because I didn't watch all of it but like I skimmed through it to see what ghost sightings were mentioned and one of them was the flight attendant who in the room with the oven door um the like not air conditioning you know where they regulate the temperature on a flight yeah yeah it was set to like 70 degrees Celsius or whatever, or Fahrenheit, sorry, whatever the normal Fahrenheit <laughs> is. Yeah. And all the other, her and all the other flight attendants were freezing cold and they went up and said that to the captain and he came down and was like, the room is fine, what's wrong with you? Mm. Like the rooms would show up on thermometers as being the correct temperature, but everyone in the room would feel ice cold. I wonder how that works. I think that's really cool. It's like a small little thing. It is really cool. It's just that, like a That would make you think it's more mental. Air. You know, it's it's just like a... They say it's like a pocket of cold air, isn't it? So if it wouldn't hit the thermometer, the thermometer would still say it's normal. But if there was like a pocket of cold air around you, you'd feel cold, you know? That's true. Like a little bubble around you. Yeah, pretty much. A little cloud. I'm just imagining like a giant condom surrounding a person, but the condom is oh like a little cold air. What's, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> what? You always got penis on the brain. It's because I'm so short, I just run into him. <laughs> But remember, guys, if you're ever on a flight and you think you see a ghost, if you land safely, let us know about it. And if you don't, try and haunt the plane and hopefully we run into you. Why would we run into them? Well, at some point, I'm going to get in a plane. Yeah, but how do you know it's going to be that plane? Well, it won't be that plane if they don't land safely. Oh, true. Besides, like with Flight 401, it wasn't just one plane. It was mostly one plane. And then they shoved the parts into everything else. 
I still can't believe that, that they thought that was a good idea. I don't know who would do that. I don't know who would think that's a good idea. I can understand it in a way. Like, they do do it with some things. Like, there's a few flights that have crashed and they will recycle the parts of other planes if there's absolutely nothing wrong with the plane. No, it's like, still nowadays, a bad idea. <laughs> nowadays, though, like, they have to plan for every little thing that could go wrong. It's interesting, too, because it's not like residual spirits. They're not doing... They're not sitting in the pilot seat doing what they were doing normally in the planes, you know? They're, yeah, they're doing They're interacting with people and doing weird shit. It's just strange. Normally, it's just like a repetitive motion or something like that. But this is like... This is weird, like... It's... it's like, uh, co- Cognitive? Is that the word? No, no. Uh, yeah, Conscious? Yeah, like there's a, like an actual intelligence to it. Yeah. That freaks when me I, out. When I was reading about it, though, um, oh, what was the word? Uh, there was a word I came across that was a really cool one. It basically, it's when a specific item, uh, sorry, when a specific item or like in this case, like a series of items have an attachment to them. Yeah. And it's basically like an imprint of the person. It's not so much a ghost as it is like residue of their life. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I know sounds exactly like a ghost, but it's more like an imprint of their personality more than anything. So Bob Loft was probably a prick. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it makes me wonder about the third guy who died. Like the second yeah, pilot. Yeah, I think of that. Yeah. What if he's like the pervert one, like the three uncles out of um, Asper? <laughs> yeah. Don's the sound, or yeah, Don's the sound one, Bob's the dick, and the other fellow's just hiding in the smoke detector in the bathroom watching people pee. That's gross. I don't like that. I don't like the thought of a ghost watching me pee. This is why, why? I don't pee on airplanes. <laughs> you don't pee on airplanes in case you get sucked out of the toilet. <laughs> the sound of the, the flush scares me. I don't like it. <laughs> Sweet. Then that's everything for this week's episode, guys. And I hope you enjoyed it. And have a good week. Bye. Bye.